Principal Matters Podcast, episode 241. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about lessons from an all-girls school with my special guest, Loredana Borello. Loredana Borello is the principal of Risha House Secondary School in Johannesburg, South Africa. Risha House School is a Catholic, Ursuline, all-girls independent school from K-12. As a principal, Loredana is passionate about empowering and, in, and educating girls to take up their place as leaders in society, equipped with courage and compassion. She's also interested in mentorship, which was the focus of the research for her master's in education from the University of Witzerstrand in Johannesburg. Mentoring student teachers and interns in the practice of teaching is a vital responsibility to ensure that students are taught by dedicated and passionate teachers. In addition, she loves reading about leadership and personal development. Loredana Borello, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. It is such a pleasure and honor to connect with you. Please fill in the gaps on that introduction and please tell listeners something else that they may be surprised to know about you. Thank you, Will. It is indeed an honor um, and a pleasure to, to be here with you. Um, so an interesting, you mentioned about my passion for mentorship, which was part of my uh, master's research. Um, interestingly enough, I only decided to do my master's after 30 years of teaching. So talk about lifelong learning. Um, and I'm so glad I did because experience is a wonderful teacher. And I think that I learned so much about mentorship because of the experience I've had. So to everyone out there, uh, one is never too old um, to start uh, being a student again. And that's what I loved is I went into the seminars and lectures um, and all the other students were, were 20 somewhat years old. and. Um, had a very different perspective and a different reality about education and what happens in the classroom. And so um, it was a wonderful collaboration of, of different perspectives. Um, after 30 years of actually doing this, now, now getting down to actually seeing how does it play out in reality in the day-to-day -day, um, context of, of a school and, and a classroom and really what is mentorship about. So. Well, what a privilege for your teachers too, Loredana, to have a leader who's a lead learner in their building, someone who's had so much classroom experience so that you understand exactly the difficulties and challenges that they're facing, but at the same time, modeling for them your passion for continuous learning. And it's been so fantastic to connect with you and correspond with you and, and principal manager listeners, as I've been doing the series on lessons abroad, we're just discovering all of the ways that we share in common so many of the same mm -hmm. leadership challenges and opportunities. And I would just love to first, before we jump into some of the areas I want to talk about with, with mentorship and, and leading through a pandemic, Lordana, can you first just tell us about your school? What, what do you find are the challenges and opportunities uh, leading in an all-girls school? Great. Thank you. Look, I need to actually preface this by giving you the context. So there is quite a diversity of schools in South Africa. Um, and so I'm at Brescia House School, which is an independent school, um, and it is an all-girls school, and it is a very well-resourced school. So that is the context by which I'm going to be sharing my experience. 
Um, but having said that, there are um, wonderful, well-resourced public schools as well. Um, and so that whole range of, of less resourced, um, no fee paying um, public schools to well-resourced independent schools, everyone will have um, similarities and differences and will have faced um, you know, the pandemic and every other challenge in education differently. Um, but being an all girls school, there are some common challenges regardless of resources, regardless of, um, you know, public or independent, and that is educating the girl child. Um, and so the challenges that, that, are, that are facing girls' schools, um, one of the biggest one is for, for girls to really believe that they are enough as they are. Mm. So that, that confidence um, to believe that who they are is more important than um, well, anything from badges to um, trying to live up to society, to what society tells a girl stroke woman should be, should have, should behave, should everything. To try and break that social construct um, is, is, is a huge challenge. Um, and so the opportunities that girls schools have is um, to, to empower and educate young girls to believe that they are enough and that they can take up their place at the leadership table. Um, and they have got a huge contribution to make. And that's why I'm, I'm passionate about the two, courage and compassion, um, because that, that I think is a huge strength that, um, that will serve you know, any organization well when women sit at the leadership table. Well, one of the things I think that would also be fascinating in your journey is that the, since you are a K-12 school, I imagine there are several girls who you literally can see grow up uh, and prepare for what's ahead of them. And so when you're in a school community that services and, and schools children from that K-12 setting, I imagine that's been uh, an exhilarating and often uh, encouraging experience, but also it comes with its challenges too, because you are deeply involved in the lives of the people that you serve. How many students are you serving and, and how long have you, Loredana, been in leadership um, at this at this school? So from um, K to 12, our uh, school has um, roughly just under 900 uh, girls. There are, there's a, a principal for the primary school and I'm at the high school. Um, I've been in a leadership position for a very long time, but I've taken up this particular position of head of Brescia. This is now my third year. So it is a new environment to me, but um, yeah, as I said, I've been in leadership positions before. And as you said, yes, the, the huge responsibility, but also the huge opportunity um, to be able to, 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 to inspire, not only the students, the girls, but the teachers also to believe that they matter, what they do is is absolutely paramount. Mm. Well, let's talk for a few minutes about some of the ways that you've been able to lead through a pandemic, because I know I've had this conversation with principals here in the U.S. and now abroad as well. And I'm always intrigued to just understand how did you manage that challenge? Because it's been so difficult for everyone to do school safely. And so I would just love, Lori Donna, for you to unpack what that journey has been like for you all. So like I'm sure with many, um, the ups and downs. 
um, the challenges, but once again, the opportunities. So um, challenges of, yes, getting COVID protocols um, all happening um, to make sure that, that education on a daily basis is done so safely. Um, but I think the bigger challenges that um, we faced was um, the economic challenges of our families. Um, so with the pandemic and um, the economic crisis that came with it and that is still with us, we found ourselves with many families who couldn't pay school fees. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, those are, are, are real challenges that it, it's not, I mean, the, the child's education remains paramount. So we, we continue, we help where we can. Um, and with that economic challenge also came the social, emo emotional, psychological challenges of the children, um, particularly when we were in lockdown and we were doing online education. For many um, of the girls, um, well, many girls had very different experiences, but for some, it really was um, a challenge. Depression set in the fact that they were at home and didn't have human face-to-face -face interaction. Um, that was definitely a challenge. So our psychologists and social workers, et cetera, um, really had to reach out um, across the screen and still keep contact with a lot of these girls and help them through it. Yes, of course, mm -hmm. the challenges of online learning um, for some, but by and large, it, it became teamwork. It became a huge opportunity um, to get together, to um, really be, be there for each other. And that's the opportunity. So the, the positive of that, the opportunities that were created from this space. So, you know, every challenge presents itself with, with moments of silver linings. And, and one has to look for those because otherwise it becomes quite a, a depressive state. But those are fantastic. So the opportunities to do things differently, um, doing parent-teacher connects across the screen um, so the parents didn't have to come to school to see a teacher, but we could quickly just go online um, and have the conversation, being in touch with one another. The girls were so creative in keeping each other connected. Um, with, we had opportunities where we do um, online music concerts um, and finding ways to stay connected. So the leaders, the, the, the year 12s, grade 12s, um, leaders found ways to, to challenge the girls online with weekly challenges and bake-offs and music challenges and, you know, all sorts of things, which was such a community uplifter, sending out daily prayers and meditations. And, you know, it was just wonderful to see even physical activity challenges. Um, wonderful to see how people just said, okay, we don't have a choice in what is happening, but we have a choice in how we're going to respond to this. Mm -hmm. And I was extremely proud of all of those positive opportunities in a, in a landscape and environment that was really challenging and continues to be. It does. And I continue to hear a thread of, of common experience among school leaders, which is just the um, how impressive the resilience of their teachers and students and families has been through all of this. And Loredana, I know that's been your experience too. What's your current status? Are you hybrid? Are you in person again? What, what is it looking like for your community right now? So we are all back at school. 
um, but we do have some students that are not able to come back. So COVID related, um, either themselves or family members or comorbidities, whatever. So we do operate on a hybrid um, learning. So this, the children that are in class get taught face to face, but we're a Microsoft um, showcase school. So through Microsoft Teams, the, the teacher connects with the few um, girls who are at home um, and then brings them in online. The lessons are recorded. So if the student, again, connectivity is another challenge, data is another challenge, but then they are able to, to view the lessons um, afterwards. I'm talking to many leaders, um, some here in the U.S., who are just now beginning to transition back into in-person learning, Loredana. What advice would you have for them? Because a lot of them are experiencing, not just personally, but among their staff, a lot of anxiety as they think about making that transition back. What, what's, what's some helpful advice you might give them as they consider that move? Well, for us, it was a case of it's actually safer at school. Um, so... As long as all the protocols were in place and we could keep, you know, everyone kept their masks on, everyone is socially distant. We've got a social distancing of 1.5 meters in the classroom. Every classroom has a sanitizing station. Um, even out um, on the lawns, we have um, marked blocks, which are one and a half meters apart. And the girls know that you've got your own block that you stand in if you're having lunch, you know, or sit on. Um, and so I think if those structures and systems are in place, it creates a safe environment. People are happy to come back. When we came back, I have never seen so many smiles on people's mm -hmm. faces. The girls were so delighted to be back at school, um, to see their friends, um, to connect face to face with their teachers, to actually go and have a conversation um, with the teacher. So I think creating a safe environment, reassuring everyone that we are in this together and it's okay. We will be safe here together. Um, teamwork, teamwork and, and keeping everyone positive um, is a, a huge, uh, yeah, it helps a lot. Uh, those are such valuable pieces of advice. And I've seen that same experience over and over talking to leaders who finally have children back in is just the joy the overwhelming joy of being able to reconnect that just often overwhelms the anxieties that were there Absolutely. and immediately replaces it with, with the remembering why you do what you do. I would love to talk also, to you. Go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to add, we also created little welcome packs for the girls when they returned. So a little welcome card, some little sweets, you know, something that just lifts their spirits to say, we are so happy to see you back. And they really appreciated it. Mm, I love that. Well, I also know that you spent your master's degree looking at the importance of mentoring, the role that mentoring plays in the practice of teaching and, and helping students. And I would uh, really like to just park there for a moment and ask you some feedback, Loredana. What are some of the lessons that you have learned in enhancing learning through mentorship? Mentorship essentially is, is providing support, but that's support is it's a two-way relationship there's the mentor and the mentee in in the educational setting um, mentorship is providing that support from a more knowledgeable experienced person to one who is still learning but it's not as i said it's not just imparting knowledge um one way it there definitely is a reciprocal relationship and and 
often what happens is a person is assigned a student to mentor or a student teacher or an intern to mentor. And all they know is that I must just help this person understand what they have to do. Mm -hmm. um, and they just shadow me and they kind of copy everything I do and then you'll know what to do. And, and that is really not, that is like the starting block. We haven't really even, the gun of, for the race hasn't even gone off. Um, it, it, it has to go beyond that. Um, and so it's not just about the what, but it is the how, but it's more importantly, the why. So why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you choosing to teach this particular section or whatever in the way that you are? Why have you chosen to use this resource? Why have you chosen to assess it this way, et cetera, et cetera? So there's something called pedagogical reasoning. In other words, you have to explain the pedagogy behind why this is happening. So even amongst um, with the online learning, um, we had teachers who were more experienced and more confident with the technology. They became mentors um, to the rest of the staff. So again, a, a huge team effort where people gathered together, they showed each other, but we went right back to the beginning of the pedagogy. What is the pedagogy behind online learning? Because it's very different to face-to-face. The online assessment is very different to a pen and paper or you know, other types of assessment in the classroom. So you have to understand the why first um, and then getting to, everyone knows what they have to do. You know what you have to teach, there's a curriculum or whatever. So it goes beyond that. And that's where the relationship is built um, between the, the mentors and the mentees. Um, because the, the mentors also learn from the mentees. They also come up with different ways. Oh, okay, then does this mean that I could also do it this way? Oh, yes, no, you can. Um, so, yeah, so it's a very empowering um, relationship that, that unfolds. And then it goes right to the students as well. The older students um, became, you know, mentors to younger students in school life because they're the ones who've been there. Um, if you're in your final year of high school, then there's younger ones that you can help along the way. So it is a powerful learning um, practice. And um, yeah, and, and um, as you can hear, quite passionate about it. So I'm curious in your practice, if mentorship is something that is a natural output of those relationships, or if that's something that you formalized, Loredana. So what, what does that look like in practice in your school community? So there is a formal process that um, can be um, practiced. Um, it, it happens incidentally at first, but I think um, if one wants it to work and to be really effective, it has to become a structured formal program because the mentor needs to be trained. Mentorship, and, and one, not everyone is a successful mentor. So people have to want to be a mentor and then be trained in the, in the practice. Um, and so basically in, in my research, it was about learning to teach. And so what support do mentor teachers provide other you know, students or interns in the practice of teaching? And mm -hmm. that then has to become a formalized um, practice in order to be effective. Well, one of the one of the um, advantages that I see in that is is creating a pipeline of older teachers or more experienced teachers teaching less experienced teachers, and 
hopefully giving yourself the ability to raise up instructors when you need new instructors. I know that here in the U.S., and I don't know what it's like in Johannesburg, but we've had a real um, difficulty with bringing teachers into the profession. And we've seen a lot of decline in the numbers of, of teachers that are stepping into teaching. And so I'm curious what that looks like for you um, in your city and in your school and, and how mentorship has played a role in preparing uh, potential teachers to step into classrooms. Similar trend um, in, in Johannesburg and definitely in South Africa. Um, teacher development has become a, an absolutely crucial um, prerogative. Um, we, it's the, the well-resourced schools who have the responsibility of actually developing teachers. Um, so yes, there are various teacher training programs in, in the universities and, and those are important. Um, and part of that formal training is also a practical component. So we have uh, students that come from the universities for a number of weeks um, to do practice in, in the schools. And that's where the mentorship program is, is of utmost importance. That's one avenue of one pipeline. But the other one is for schools to actually start up internship programs themselves. So it does require funding, um, but where schools can, and they do have the resources, is to actually um, put out adverts for, for intern teachers. And then that intern teacher spends their every day um, at the school and they do their formal curriculum studies correspondence through a correspondence university. Um, but if they're there every day, then they see the practice unfolding um, in front of them. And if they've got a good mentor that has been trained on uh, mentorship, then at the end of our, our programs are four years, the teacher training program. At the end of four years, you have a, a well-trained, experienced teacher that then you can pass forward um, to other schools that, that possibly wouldn't have had the opportunity of, of developing um, teachers. Wow. I would uh, love to explore that more, Laura Donna, because I know that as you are working with teachers for that many years, uh, interns and mentors and developing people long-term, um, there's such power in the ability for people to grow before they're even given the responsibility of a classroom. And I, I can remember back to my own internship experience when I was in college, just the, how much I learned and, and the value of that experience. But also in that first year of teaching, the value of having older teachers, more experienced teachers around me that provide me with that kind of feedback too. One of the shifts that we've seen in U.S. schools over the past several years with the number of emergency and alternatively certified teachers because of the shortage, more people are being brought in from outside professions and given the opportunity to step in and, and earn their certifications, but most of them have not had internships or classroom experience before, so they're learning on the fly. And, and often that creates a real learning curve for them uh, and the people who are trying to, to help them as well. And so I know it's not just a, a U.S. phenomenon. I'm sure that you've seen that and as the well. Challenge, absolutely. The challenge with the model that you're referring to is that people believe that just because you have knowledge about a subject, you can teach it. And so that's why people coming in from different professions, um, engineers coming in to be math teachers or whatever the like is, um, and that's all good and well, because yes, they do have the knowledge, but the pedagogy of the practice of teaching, that is quite different. Um, so again, you know what you have to teach, but the how and why, that has to be built in. 
So either it's through a university program or through an internship program. Mm. Well, thanks for unpacking that. I wanted to finish this conversation by circling back to what brought us together in the first place, Loredana, which was when you reached out as a listener um, with inquiries into my new book, Pause, Breathe, and Flourish. And so I, I just love to hear from leaders some of their own practices in leadership and personal development. And so as we wrap up this conversation, I just am curious, what are some of the lessons that you practice in your own leadership to stay motivated and inspired to continue serving your school community? One of the things is you, you have to love what you do. And I absolutely love and am passionate about education. I think um, one needs to remain grounded. So that's why I absolutely love the title of the book, um, Paul's Be Flourish. Um, even more so, we have learned since last year in the pandemic, the need to pause, the need to just um, be aware of what is happening around you before you react to this that just came from left field, this curved ball, this, you know, calling it coronavirus. Um, but it could be anything. It, it's whatever, it, these things are going to happen. So to get into the practice of just pause, let me understand what is happening. Um, and, and the breathe part is so important to just not jump into things. Um, so for me, what is important is, is reflection time, is, is not to just jump in. Um, yes, there are cases where it is an emergency and you have to do something there and then. But where it's longer term um, strategies, okay, what are we going to do? It's not just about today. I need to know that this is gonna be sustainable for, for the future. Um, so what grounds me are, are daily prayers, meditation, mindfulness, quiet time. I need to make um, space and time for that um, to really sit and think about um, if this, then what, you know, the kind of consequences. Um, I, I love staying connected to positive people. Um, I think we do need that because often it can be a, a series of doom and gloom. Um, so I think one needs to have a circle of connections, a network of, of what inspires you, what makes, you know, keeps you positive. So um, principle matters was certainly one of them for me and continues to be. Um, but keeping up with what's happening outside of my school and even outside of my country, there, there's a whole world of education happening there. And, and being you know, a person who loves to learn and, 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 and keep knowing about what's going on. I stay connected, good news. So inspirational podcasts, YouTubes, Instagram, books, um, journal articles, things like that. Closer to home, staying connected with family and friends. Um, very, very important um, to me. Being of Italian origin, that's, that is a huge part of, of what keeps me grounded. And, and I'm able to bounce things off um, my family, um, my children, my husband. So that's also part of my um, flourishing, um, part of how I, how I flourish. Um, and then at, at school, it's, it's bringing all this back. It's, it's having those um, conversations in the passageway, in the um, staff room, um, these incidental conversations with, with staff. You, you know what I found? You know what I heard today? You know what I read? And then I have at staff meetings 
I tell them about the books that I've read, the podcasts that I've listened. I share that with everyone. I invite people to online workshops. Who's interested to go to this conference? Who would like to attend um, this online webinar or whatever? It's, it's expanding that network. I really want the teachers to be those professionals who are passionate about what they do. Because if they are, and they are happy to be where they are, the students will benefit. It mm. is a direct relationship. Um, and one can only do that if you, you're in touch with what else is happening around, because there is so much good that one can learn. And, and my responsibility is to, to keep that going and to inspire others um, in the same way. Well, Laura Donna, thank you for bringing that full circle, because as I listen to your own experiences in pausing and breathing and reflecting and how you encourage that among your own staff, it's, it's obvious that in the 30 years that you spent in the classroom and now in the years that you're spending in school leadership, that you have not stopped remaining passionate about education. I, I want to thank you for the opportunity to introduce you to the Principal Matters listeners. And I just want to thank you also for being a listener. And as you continue serving at the all-girls school there in your city, I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to let listeners know if they would like to connect with you, where can they find your school's website or how might they reach out to you if they want to correspond with you? Um, sure. So the school's website is www.bresha, that's B-R-E-S-C-I-A, bresha.co.za. Um, school's website there. Um, otherwise, my email is hshead, in other words, high school head at bresha.coza. Very happy to keep contact with the wonderful professionals that are out there. And Will, to you, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. Thank you. For connecting and thank you for everything you do to keep us inspired. Well, Laura Donna Barillo, thank you for what you're doing to inspire your school community and care for your students, teachers, and parents. And Principal Matters listeners, thanks for doing what matters, and we will talk to you next week. You can find other free resources like this one at William D. Parker.